Okay, guys, today I have Jacob Brunton with me. He's with, uh, for the new Christian intellectual over there with uh, Cody Leboyt or Leibel. Um, and today we're going to be talking about the topic of immigration. Um, we're going to go over several different things. Um, he has some, some interesting points on this topic. This is something that I haven't put quite as much thought into as him. Um, I think we generally fall um, along the same lines as far as our philosophy for immigration goes. Um, we're both individual rights guys. Um, that plays out in different ways um, as far as our thoughts on immigration goes. But, um, but this is, he's definitely thought about this more than I have. So I thought it'd be interesting to bring him on and uh, interview him on this topic. And uh, so let's just jump right into it. Um, the first question I have um, for Jacob here is just more general. Why and uh, when do you think it is acceptable to limit immigration? Yeah, so uh, let me say real quick, thanks for having me on, Matt. I'm excited to uh, be introduced to your audience here. And I, I need to apologize to your audience. I've got a little bit of a cold, so uh, my voice sounds a little nasally. I need to apologize for that. Uh, I am wearing my Statue of Liberty t-shirt, so, to, so <laughs> I'm pro-immigration. Um, <laughs> all right, so, so the question was, when and why do you think it is acceptable to limit immigration? I think I would, I would back up and I would point out that uh, – the, the entity limiting immigration or uh, being proposed to limit immigration would be the government. And so really this is an issue of what is the proper role of government. Uh, and if we agree that the proper role of government is protection of individual rights, then the question is uh, when does immigration pose a threat to the individual rights, namely of those whom the government is supposed to be protecting? Uh, because the government in a given geographical area, say the United States government, is there primarily to protect the individual rights of uh, not only its citizens, but those that are within its jurisdiction. And, and you know, there's different categories of people that that can apply to beyond just citizens, but primarily citizens as well. Um, so the question is, when does immigration pose a threat to the individual rights of the people that are under the jurisdiction of the, a given government? And I think the, the answer is pretty limited. Uh, it's uh, limited to uh, physical threats, um, such as those who are carrying communicable diseases, uh, those who uh, have a violent criminal history, um, such that they, you know, we've got reason to believe that uh, they, they might strike again, um, and those who have potential terrorist ties, such that we've got good reason to believe that they might pose a, uh, a terrorist threat to uh, the people in the country. Um, I, I think that's really the, the basis of it. Um, I can't think of anything beyond uh, the potential, um, the, the objective potential of a physical threat of that type uh, that would be a legitimate form of limiting immigration. Okay, so one, one aspect where, uh, where, and we've, we've gone back and forth to this uh, uh, on, on Facebook from time to time, um, one aspect that falls, I think, within the realm of physical threat is ideology to an extent. And, and I know that you're, you're not for uh, limiting people coming in based on ideology. And generally, I, I would actually agree with that. But there are certain aspects to ideology that push someone to do um, physical harm to others and not just push them to do physical harm to others, but the ideology itself is an idea that says it is okay to intentionally do physical harm, even great physical harm to someone up to death. So, for, so on that note, I would ask, um, 
would you apply in, in, I think the difference between, between an actual physical harm that an individual, like a criminal history or, or a, uh, organ like belonging to an organization whose sole purpose is to do harm, like a terrorist organization mm -hmm. or having communicable disease, that sort of thing. The difference between that and what I'm talking about is a difference between an individual that is going to harm someone versus a collectivist group that has a much higher likelihood of harming someone. So, so what would your, what would your stance be on, for instance, like the infamous Muslim ban um, that Trump did back in, uh, I guess it was 2017. Was it in 2017? Uh, yeah, yeah. sounds right. Uh, but uh, what we'll, we'll say? 2017. Yeah. Would you uh, see? Because so, the way I see, just to give you a background of why I'm asking, the way I see the Muslim ban is that these are people in countries who generally have ideologies that are not only, like for instance, I could say to an extent, like having a socialist ideology, like some people coming in from Europe that want full-blown socialism in whatever the country they live in to an extent that's a that's an ideology that could harm others physically and you know what i mean because eventually the government has to carry out those policies with the gun at some point in time but there's a difference i see between that and someone who comes from a radical muslim country who has a high likelihood of of having uh holding the belief that that honor killings within a muslim within like a, a local muslim community are okay so how would you how would you deal with with that type of objection to the idea that only individual rights? Uh, yeah, I mean, so I I, th I think that's a, a really good question and it's it's valid. Um, but I would say uh, I would want to point out it doesn't just apply to the issue of immigration. It applies to the wider issue of uh, when does speech or ideas become uh, physical threats? And and that's a that's an interesting and important question that we face even domestically. Uh, and it's important for us to try to wrestle with that because that's something that can happen. You know, it, you know, uh, uh, bad ideologies that promote violence can grow up domestically in our own cities. Um, it doesn't have to be a strictly immigration issue. And so, you know, if, if there's a ideology um, or a, a group that is preaching that you ought to initiate force against people, you ought to uh, go and, you know, smash the, the, uh, white people's faces in or, or break into white people's cars or uh, conversely that you ought to, uh, you know, kill the commies or, you know, if, if there's an organization that is explicitly advocating for physical violence against other people, uh, then I think there's, there's a legal tradition and a valid one, I think, that counts that as tantamount to a physical threat, even though um, it, it's, it's not immediate. They're not raising the bat at you, you know, in the second, um, they're, they're claiming that they're going to, or they're calling others to do so. And, and that that's counted as, you know, legally, uh, equivalent to a physical threat. Um, so now if you abstract that out to the issue of immigration, you can sort of apply the same standard. If, if there are, uh, people who either believe or who, uh, propagate ideas that explicitly, call for initiations of violence, physical violence, um, then I think it's totally appropriate to keep those people out of the country on the same basis that we would keep uh, criminals, people with a violent criminal history of the country, and on the same basis that we would keep uh, people who are tied to terrorist organizations out of the country. Um, now, th th there's sort of a, uh, a practical issue uh, when it comes to the the Muslim ban, this so so called Muslim ban, it, no, it wasn't all Muslims. It was Muslims from particular areas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it, 
I think it, I think it's potentially legitimate. I, I think if the reasoning is um, these countries, let, let's just say you know these you know three countries: Afghanistan, Iraq, and Iran, um, are so uh, broken down uh, civilly. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's so difficult for us um, from an intelligence perspective and from a vetting perspective to properly get a good idea of whether or not they pose a threat. Um, and there's such a high likelihood that people from those areas do pose that type of threat um, that until we're able to get better vetting, better vetting procedures put in place, we're going to put a, a temporary you know, or indefinite ban on immigrants from that, the location. I, I think that's totally legitimate. Um, no, but if, if, the, if that's what you're going to do, then you have to make exceptions for the people from those countries that you are able to vet, right? So maybe there's some businessman uh, that, you, you know, you, you've got full access to his whole history and you know that he's legitimately just coming here for business. But he just happens to be from that country. Well, then you have to make that exception because the whole reason for the ban is that you, you aren't practically able to do the vetting necessary for the vast majority of people. But that doesn't mean that it's going to be impossible for every single person. Does that make sense? Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think I would agree with you on all that. Um, um, the only aspect, so the only aspect where I could see it justifiable for banning people from an entire country would be in countries where it's like impossible to vet um, people entirely. Like I yeah. think at certain point in time, certain points in time in places like Syria and Iraq, it's nearly impossible because there's no, there. there's just not a background check system or a, anything involved with, with letting people in with the exception yeah. of maybe, like you said, a, somebody who's a businessman or maybe it's well known in the community that will actually have a lot of people outside of the country that can vet for them in some way. Yeah. And, and in addition to that, I would say if, you know, if we did have that type of ban, um, we would want to emphasize that we should try to fix that situation, you know, because we, I, I think immigration's all things equal. I think immigration's a positive thing. I think it's a good thing. Um, and I think, you know, if, if we're able to bring in people who um, dissent to the bad ideology in that country, uh, mm-hmm. and the reason they're coming here is because they dissent, and, and we're able to prove that, um, then they are going to be a, a boon for us. And, and they're going to be a boon for fighting that type of ideology in the future. And so I, I think it's, it's all around a positive thing to try to bring people in so long as we can vet them and make sure that they're not going to pose a physical threat. Absolutely. Um, and as far as that subject goes, I think there's a lot of people that disagree with you on immigration sometimes that would actually agree with you in all of those areas. So, so let's kind of move on to something where there's probably a little bit more disagreement uh, between particularly conservatives and, uh, and, and somebody with a, with a more libertarian or, or maybe not even libertarian, but a, but a um, individual rights perspective such as you. Um, some, there's a lot of conservatives that will say that there is some collectivist aspect to rights and, and what that means is, and maybe they won't, they'll be afraid to use the word collectivism. So they won't even say it that way, but but that's essentially what it amounts to. Um, So they'll say that, that we have to protect uh, um, certain things like, like um, keeping a large flood of people from coming in and, and taking jobs or lowering wages or doing something that affects the economy dramatically. What do you say to people who see that there's, a, there, there's some sort of uh, threat in that from like a principled standpoint? Yeah, so uh, the economic argument uh, typically to do with, uh, you know, uh, job displacement or, or 
uh, wage lowering, um, I, I think is really, really shocking uh, from conservatives uh, because yeah. it's very socialistic. It, it assumes all of the premises, um, all of the assumptions of the socialist arguments for, say, minimum wage. It, it's the assumption that the government uh, is, it, it, that, that you've got a right uh, to a certain wage, a certain level of income, or to a certain type of job, uh, and that the government should be used to ensure that you're going to get that by keeping others out of the competition for that job, um, or by artificially pricing the job, or whatever the case may be. Um, but it, th those are all socialistic and, as you point out, collectivistic premises. Um, you, you don't have a right to a certain type of job and you don't have a, a right to a certain wage. Um, if, if you did, uh, then that would mean that you had a right to the, the property of somebody else. Um, <clears throat> a lot of times we think of it in terms of, uh, well, who, who, who cares that we're quote unquote violating the rights of the immigrant? They're not, they're not part of this country. You know, we only care about people's rights in this country. And it's, I, I can grant that uh, provisionally, but then I would point out, what about the business owner? Does a business owner have rights? What if the business owner wants to hire an immigrant? Yeah. Who are you to say that he can't do that, that he has to hire you instead? You're thinking just like the needy, collectivistic, uh, money-grabbing socialists that you claim to despise. And so I, I think that's a really, really horrendous argument that um, I think it's really uh, saddening to see conservatives employ that type of argument because they're buying into the same premises as the left, which means that they're not going to have a leg to stand on in actually combating the left. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd say it even, um, um, this is definitely a point that I disagree with quite a bit on with uh, conservatives on. And I would say it's, it's even further than that in the same way that the, the social justice movement, it's not only wrong in that it's not principled or that it lacks, but, but it's also wrong in that it, uh, it, um, uh, it's, they're just wrong about certain things. Like they're just wrong about like what specific oppressions are and yeah. stuff. And in the same way, this, this aspect of the conservative um, um, party or, or platform is that um, is it's not just wrong on a principled level like you just spoke about, but it's also wrong because it's actually good for economy to have free labor moving across the border. Yeah, yeah. Practically speaking, um, a free market is good all the time for everybody, and it's always better than the, the alternative. Um, if if you think that uh, having some sort of regulations or controls on the market is a good thing, then you don't know economic history and you don't know economics. Um, but, but that's the thing, you know, we, we the, the sort of capitalists, the free marketers, um, we, we've won the economic argument. We've won the practical yeah. argument. Everyone knows, everyone has known practically since Adam Smith wrote The Wealth of Nations um, that free markets are the most practical and the most thriving, uh, and that regulations are impractical and, and lead to stagnation and, and uh, depressions and things like that. Everyone knows that, uh, but yet everybody fights against that because of the moral premises, because they believe that they've got a right to other people's stuff, whether it's the progressive claiming that they've got a right to the rich person's stuff, or the conservative claiming that he's got a right to a certain type of job so we have to keep the immigrants out of the job market. Uh, yeah. Both 
are are relying on the assumption that it's it's okay to forcefully take something from someone else, and and that's their justification uh, for ignoring what what is obviously clear and has been obviously clear practically and economically for decades and centuries. And whenever whenever we're speaking about this, I think we're mainly speaking about um, immigration from across the southern border when we're talking about lowering wages. I mean, I guess to an extent you could get some some uh, some immigration from. Uh, from the uh, Middle East and from, uh, and from, uh, oh my gosh, like India. I don't, I don't know why I can't think of the name of that area. <laughs> Save my life. Asia. Um, East Asia. Yeah. Whatever. And, and uh, so you might get some, uh, but, but, but stick, so sticking on that same topic about immigration, mainly from across the Southern border. Um, what would you say about, cause you're normally going to have lower income people coming across that specific border. What would you say to people who do object to, um, uh, more free free labor moving across the border. What would you say to the people to object to that based on the fact that we have a large welfare system and that we have to get rid of the welfare system first? Do you see any any uh, do you see that claim to be reasonable that we should have a certain sequence, a certain order that we go in of fixing problems when it comes to big government? An uh, order potentially. Um, although I want to sort of call the bluff of many conservatives who make that argument. Um, because I don't think they give a rip about ending welfare. Um, and, and the proof is in the pudding. The, yeah. the, the, there's no Republican who's actually doing anything to end welfare. We've got, we had a Republican-controlled Congress, a Republican-controlled Senate, and a Republican in the White House, and uh, entitlements weren't touched unless if they may, If I may throw out one, one, one objection that they would normally use, and I've heard this several times, and this is actually one that I don't necessarily agree with. I just want to kind of see how you'd respond. Yeah. But they'll say a lot of times that, well, the reason that that's the case, the reason we're so adamant about immigration versus welfare is that welfare is almost impossible to fix. The system's just going to have to collapse. Whereas immigration, we actually have a little bit of ground because even some people on the liberal side think that we need to close our borders. If you really think the system has to collapse before it can get fixed, then you should be welcoming in as many immigrants as you can so the system will <laughs> yeah. collapse sooner. Like, that is yeah. ridiculous. Uh, th- we'll get it over with. <laughs> yeah. Th- th- they, so, so in other words, what they're saying is we don't want to get rid of welfare um, or, or, or at least we don't think it's possible, which is, which is false. It, it's absolutely possible. You just end it. Um, you you got to phase it out. But it's, it's totally doable. Um, it, if there's the will to do it, it yeah. if uh, there's a principled and passionate populace that wants to do it, and unfortunately, conservatives aren't moving in that direction. Conservatives, I think, are trying. I think the reason conservatives are um, so passionate about immigration is because they're trying to hide from themselves the fact that they generally agree with the left on almost everything else. Mm-hmm. So the the few points where they have slight disagreements with the left, <laughs> they've got to really work themselves up about it to convince exactly. themselves that they have some diametrically opposite worldview from the left. When really they agree with the left on all the fundamentals, on everywhere where it actually matters, and so they've got to find these stupid little uh, niche areas like immigration or like uh, sex in society. Like th- th- those are the things that conservatives are known for. We're anti-immigration and and we're anti-sex outside of marriage. And it's like, yeah, I agree. But let's let's not do sex outside of marriage and let's 
make sure we have a rational immigration policy. Uh, but wh why are those your emphases? Answer, because anything else you can't emphasize because you would be in total agreement with the left on. You know, and I think one of the aspects of this little, that, uh, that you may not have thought of before for why they, why they do this, why a lot of conservatives do this, is our culture is very much based on who's the victim. And now you might say, well, it looks like the victim are the immigrants that are coming in, right? But the, what, I think what uh, immigration does for a lot of conservatives is it gives you that victimhood status appeal because you can point to blue-collar workers, you can point to low-wage workers that, that, uh, that, that live in uh, minority communities that are already here, that are already citizens, and you can say, well, you're hurting those people. So it's easier to like, make this argument. So you have the extremes of both, right? You have where they can still appeal to the victim mentality, but at the same time, they can also be the hammer that, that hits the nail. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, d definitely. Yeah, immigration serves as a perfect scapegoat uh, for the, the conservative ideas um, or, or the conservatives' uh, failure uh, to combat the left. Um, yeah. wh wh why is the economy uh, doing so poorly? Why, why, is, uh, you know, why are our rights being eroded away? Why... Uh, is our our national budget spiraling out of control? Keep on asking all these whys. Uh, the answer is either because we've done a horrible job at combating the left, or because those horrible immigrants that they ruined it. And if only we didn't allow Mexicans in, then uh, America would be a uh, a shining city on a hill, uh, perfect <laughs> capitalist utopia. Uh, individual rights would be respected across the board, laissez-faire system. No, that's absolutely ridiculous. The, then, if, if you really care about uh, the d deterioration of American culture and American society, then you would want to get rid of welfare, get rid of entitlements ASAP. You would want to get rid of public education ASAP. You would be fighting the leftists where it really matters rather than making a mountain out of a molehill of immigration. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I guess um, um, one other aspect related to that same type of immigration is um, citizenship. Um, I've heard, I've, I don't remember when it was, but I heard you talk about this at some point in time. Maybe it was, maybe it was on a Facebook post or something um, where you said that you, you um, separate citizenship from immigration in that, in that you think the line or the, uh, you think the uh, well, the the line. You basically think that that citizenship should be extremely hard to attain, whereas immigration should be extremely easy. Would you yeah, like to elaborate so, on that, some? Yeah, and and let me back up a little bit to the welfare question because we didn't get totally to what you asked. You you asked if I believe there should be an order. And, oh yeah, yeah. And, go ahead. and and yes, uh, you know, theoretically, we could say, you know, let, let, let's let's hypothetically say that conservatives actually wanted to end the welfare state. Um, th then I would be on board with them and say, all right, uh, here's our plan to end the welfare state. We're going to phase it out over the course of, you know, five years or 10 years or wh whatever the case is. Um, and uh, while we're doing that, um, we're going to keep out um, any immigrants who can't uh, get a job, right? So mm -hmm. if, if you can't prove that you can be gainfully employed for a certain amount of time, then you're not able to be here because we don't want you to get on a welfare system. Or you could just say, hey, if you've immigrated here in the last five years, 
uh, you don't get welfare, right? So th there's lots of ways to fix the immigrant on welfare problem as you fix the welfare problem in general. Um, I, I don't think it has to be, we have to solve every issue regarding immigration first before we can even think about touching welfare. I think that's, that, that's just a non sequitur. Um, now to get to the citizenship issue, so uh, because a lot of people are concerned about the influx of immigrants and the, you know, the ideological impact of you know, w watering down the, the ideological culture such that you know, uh, people of different, radically different ideologies, radically opposite ideologies to the American uh, Constitution um, would be given the right to vote. And then they would, you know, it would be a radical shift in, in, the, in the voting structure. Um, and I think a really easy solution to that is well, let's just separate um, immigration from citizenship. But let's make immigration, travel and trade, you know, come here to work and, and travel through or whatever the case may be. Make that really easy with, with those structures that we talked about earlier about uh, protecting individual rights still. Um, but then make citizenship really hard. Um, and, I, and I would probably be for making citizenship hard for natural born people also. Um, you know, may, maybe there's a certain test you have to take to, uh, on basic, you know, uh, um, American civics, uh, wh whatever the case may be. Um, but that, that can be something that, especially with immigrants, you can make it so that, you know, you have to have been here for a certain amount of time. You have to pass the test. You have to be able to speak English maybe. Um, and, and so you, you, make it so that they've got to have a certain level of cultural and ideological assimilation before they're able to qualify to become a citizen, which means that's uh, before they're able to qualify to vote. And then you get rid of the, the supposed danger of uh, a flooding, flooding in of an opposite voting demographic. I don't, I don't know how much of a real danger that is, but that would be a really easy solution. Yeah. You just said a lot of things that are going to trigger any lefties that end up watching this. <laughs> <laughs> like what? Like uh, making them have uh, speak English. Oh, and uh, what was the other thing? <laughs> there is something else in there. Uh, basic that's civic going to be extremely, yeah, civics tests. Well, anyway, I'll, I'll go to this. I had another question. I can't remember what it was. But anyway, so, so there was a piece that I wrote. And this is kind of, we went, went over some of this uh, a little bit earlier. Uh, there was a piece that I wrote about a... Um, uh, gospel coalition article where they had said that um christians white evangelicals uh were idolizing um were idolizing uh safety safety and security um in order to and that that was threatening our ability to spread the gospel <laughs> to immigrants that would have come here from countries if it wasn't for things like the muslim ban yada yada now i kind of wanted to get your thoughts on some of this um mainly mainly the idea of of idolization is is it is um is uh limiting immigration becoming an idol for um conservative evangelicals yes i think so but not for the reasons that russell moore is saying uh so i i i would i, I would appeal to the reasons i was talking about earlier regarding uh you know i i see the immigration issue as a sort of fig leaf issue it's it's the attempt of conservatives to um, cover up their their moral and intellectual nakedness with a fig leaf uh, that seems really passionate and principled when really it's it's nothing it's a non-issue or it should be a non-issue. Um, so that that's where I would say it's it's become sort of an idol just in the sense that it's it's irrational um, and and it's the attempt to 
make something into something that it's not in order to compensate for their own sins, what, what they know to be their own moral and uh, political failures. Um, now, regarding what Russell Moore said, um, I think I would agree with the, the general conservative reaction to him on that, which is, or at least what, what I would say to Russell Moore is, uh, no, it, it's the government's job to uh, enact and ensure safety and security of the people in his jurisdiction. Um, that, that whether or not uh, we can reach more people with the gospel um, has no bearing on whether or not the government should be doing what it's doing. The, the government's mandate is to protect individual rights. It, the, the preaching the gospel isn't something that the government is supposed to take into account. Um, if, if, now, if we want to go to the dangerous places, and we should want to go to the dangerous places to preach the gospel, then we should be allowed to, the government should allow us to. So I, I think Russell Moore's probably confusing the role of government there. Um, but I would say that uh, beyond safety and security, we should want as many immigrants from as many other places to come in as possible so that it does create more opportunities to share the gospel. In addition to creating uh, more opportunities in the free market, and in addition to creating uh, a potentially better culture. Mm -hmm. um, so that there's lots of potential benefits to immigration so long as safety and security are still in place. And, and I think that's where conservatives mess up. Conservatives want uh, immigration to be restricted beyond just safety and security. Um, they, they use safety and security as sort of their, uh, their scapegoat, but th they want a lot more than just safety and security. They want economic stability through an immigration policy. They want um, ideological control or cultural control through an immigration policy. And that's just, that's not the role of government and it's not practical. It's not feasible. I think I agree with most of that. Um, as far as um, on that same note, I, I think I've, I've mentioned this before to you. Um, but what do you say about like the practical problems of letting in people with different um, cultural beliefs or religious beliefs? Like for instance, you have problems like with uh, Dearborn, Michigan, I think it's Dearborn that, that has a really high Muslim population and they're actually starting to see some changes in the, uh, in the uh, city council and stuff and they're making laws now and having the police ignore some things that are essentially creating a little zone over there where it's ripe for the implementation of Sharia law at some point in the future. Um, how would you say that we deal with, or, or do we even deal with, do we just have to battle them with ideas? Um, how would you say we deal with those particular issues? Yeah, uh, there's a lot there. Uh, so yeah. first of all, um, I, I lived in Minneapolis for a while, and I think Minneapolis was pretty similar uh, to what you were just talking about with Dearborn, Michigan. There were a lot of um, Muslim refugees that had been settled there, and it was affecting city council and things like that in, in pretty negative ways. Um, so I, I'm, I'm pretty familiar with that. In fact, I, I lived right across the street from a Muslim mosque, uh, and uh, I, I, I do not like their culture. <laughs> I, I, I am not a, uh, a uh, what, what's it called? A... Uh, I call it cultural relativism, but what's what's the popular term? Uh, uh, Postmodernism. A multiculturalist. Or, I'm not multiculturalist. A multi okay, yeah. all right. Yeah. I'm not a multiculturalist. I, I am I am a culturalist. I, I think that some cultures are better than others, and I think that the American culture is way better than the Muslim culture. So uh, let's put that out there. So I I I, I sympathize with the, the concern that you're you're bringing up. Um, first of all, I think one of the major problems is uh, that. 
I, I don't think that these, um, these mass migrations of Muslims into specific areas in the country are from sort of just like a free open immigration policy. I think I, I might be wrong with this, but I'm pretty sure they are parts, they're the result of a policy of either the state or the local government, uh, or I'm sorry, the state or the federal government um, inviting those refugees in and maybe, and sometimes even paying for them to, to subsidize them to come and live in that area. Mm -hmm. um, and, and if that's the case, and I think that that's totally out of court, that, 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 that is, uh, that, that's not allowed on my free market immigration policy, right? Uh, that the government has no business paying for refugees to come here and, and especially not paying them to settle in, you know, uh, little enclaves or little ghettos. I, I think that's totally inappropriate. Um, so most likely that that's the cause of that. And that shouldn't be taking place. And that wouldn't be taking place under a rational immigration policy, I don't think. Um, now, let's just say it did happen. Let's just say that, you know, all, all of these Muslims got together and they decided we're all going to move to this one city to try mm -hmm. to take it over so that we can implement Sharia law, right? Um, I think that the, the next step of addressing that is uh, local governments shouldn't be allowed to violate individual rights any more than state or federal governments are allowed to. Meaning it, it shouldn't be possible for a local city council to implement Sharia law because Sharia law violates individual rights. So our, our government should be structured in such a way that the violation of individual rights at any level is not allowed. Um, and, and this is where, you know, I, I might be in conflict with some of my conservative brothers uh, who emphasize, um, you know, local, local governance. Um, and, and a lot of conservatives think that on the most local level, maybe even the city council level, it's okay to violate individual rights. They, they would just say we want to have uh, individual rights protected on like the, the broader level, like the national level. And, and I, would, I would disagree with that. I would say no, uh, even on the most local level, uh, it should not be allowed to violate individual rights because then you do get something like Sharia law. Now, the reason that a lot of our conservative friends would want uh, individual rights to be violated on a small local level is because they want to implement Christian theonomistic type laws on the local level, you know, to uh, keep gambling out or to keep porn out or to keep prostitution out or whatever, they, you know, keep drugs out. So they want to implement their own little uh, rights violating uh, system of laws. Um, mm -hmm. But the flip side, it, you know, it goes both ways. If, if you can violate rights, you can violate rights. And it doesn't matter if it's Christian or Muslim violations of rights, there's still violations yeah. of rights. So, so I think my solution to that is it shouldn't be allowed to violate rights anywhere across the board. So that, that shouldn't be a problem on, on a rational uh, role of the government if that was being implemented. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, cool. Um, we're probably going to end it here pretty soon. I have one more question that relates to a topic that you're, um, that you're, that, that on a topic that you've developed quite a bit on uh, Christian egoism and divine egoism. Um, as far as immigration goes, I, I think we generally agree that that overall free movement across the border would be a would have a positive effect in the long run, but under the premise of conservatives opposing it, that it does not have a positive effect over the long run. Um, is there a way that you would argue against somebody who says that, well, you talk about um, Christian egoism essentially, or in, in your fan of Ayn Rand, 
and uh, and she says that that we should act in our own self interest. <coughs> On some level, are we are we are you rejecting that philosophy um, under the premise that it's actually bad in the long run? On some level, are you rejecting that philosophy by saying that? we should take in immigrants, even if, even if there was some crazy incident where we had millions of them come, or, or maybe more than that, maybe, because there's probably already millions, but maybe, maybe tens of millions come in one year, and that could flood cities and create poverty and all kinds of things. Um, what would your response to that be? Yeah, so uh, regarding the, the egoism part, the, the rational self-interest part, because that's what I mean by Christian egoism, that, that yeah. Christians should pursue the rational self-interest. Um, the objection conflates the individual with the collective. Um, well, I, I say that the individual Christian should pursue his rational self-interest, not that America as some sort of uh, disembodied collective should pursue its rational self-interest, as, uh, um, as if America has collective property uh, to, uh, to uh, protect from outsiders. Right, and and this is something else that you hear a lot of conservatives do is that they they compare immigration and and you know controlling immigration to controlling who comes into your house, and and it's like well the country isn't a house it the country isn't private property that that that's the whole point of private property is that it belongs yeah. to individuals not <laughs> to collectives and and so conservatives want to turn around and they want to affirm collective property when they're trying to keep it away from, you know, outside collectives. Uh, and, and they want to try to treat the American collective as an individual. And that's just not, that's not true. That's not rational. That There is no such thing as a collective property. There's no such thing as the collective American individual. There are only individual people. Um, and, and so uh, I, I think it's totally in line to, uh, to talk about immigration the way I've been talking about it. Uh, in line with my my philosophy of rational self-interest because the self is the individual. The self is never the collective. There's no such thing as a collective self. And that, that's that's the fundamental thing that uh, I am trying to combat uh, against the progressives. That's the fundamental thing I'm trying to fight so to, justice warriors about. And so yet, to go further on this, and, and I think you've probably already answered it, but you might just elaborate a little because I could see somebody objecting in this way. Um, what, if, what if someone argues the point that, well, I'm a blue collar worker, so it is in my individual self-interest to keep them out. Would that not go against the philosophy, your philosophy? Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, that, that if you wanted to use that argument, then the socialist could just as easily use the argument that, well, I'm, I'm a, an unskilled worker, uh, and so it's in my self-interest to uh, fight for minimum wage increase uh, $100 an hour, right? Um, <laughs> So yeah, one of my favorite uh, Facebook posts that you did on this issue was, uh, man, I got it somewhere here, but I can't find it. <laughs> oh, I'm on the wrong page. That's why. Let me see if I can find it real quick so I don't mess it up. Uh, I don't see it. But it was about Bernie Sanders. You put something along the lines of uh, how Bernie Sanders argues for minimum wage or something like that. And then and then turned it around and showed how it was the same exact argument for conservatives. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you find it, let me know because I don't remember exactly what it was. But it, yeah, I, I think unfortunately too many conservatives agree with Bernie Sanders mm -hmm. um, about the what constitutes or or what what grounds are quote unquote rights, and and they they misunderstand <laughs> what a right is. You yeah, don't. Here have it goes. It says, uh, "Bernie workers 
Workers have a right to a job and a certain wage. And then you put anti-immigration conservatives. Amen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, that, that, that triggered a lot of conservatives. Yeah, <laughs> I maybe, imagine so. Maybe I should repost that again soon. To, to, <laughs> feel free to use that as the image for this, uh, this <laughs> audio or video or whatever you want. Absolutely, um, man. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I, I think, unfortunately, conservatives don't understand what rights are. They don't understand what individual rights are because they, they too often are thinking collectivistically the same way that the left is. And they don't realize it. And I think that that's the number one thing that I'm trying to get across to both the social justice warriors and the collectivistic conservatives, that uh, there's no such thing as a collective self. There's only individual selves, which means there's only individual property. There's only individual thought. There's only individual morality. Yeah. So that's essentially the difference between like a, a negative right and a positive right for the most yeah. part, right? Yeah, I mean, if, if, if you think that there are such things as collective property, then you have to have positive rights. You have to have, uh, you know, where someone can have a right to something that you've done or some service that you'll perform. Yeah. All right, cool, man. Well, uh, I appreciate you having on. I'll go ahead and uh, we'll go ahead and end it here so that you can uh, rest your voice and whatnot. Um, um, if anybody wants to check out uh, Jacob's stuff, he's, he writes over at For the New Christian Intellectual. Um, you can also find him on Facebook. Uh, you can just search Jacob Brunton as well as on Twitter. It is, what's your Twitter feed? Jacob T. Brunton, at Jacob T. Brunton. Um, but yeah, he does, he writes some great stuff. Um, he's also, we didn't talk about it a lot today, but he does a lot of great stuff on the uh, social justice movement and the, and the problems uh, within, that, within that entire movement. And, and um, just check him out over at the For the New christianintellectual.com right actually it's a, it's christianintellectual.com oh, christianintellectual.com but it's called for the new christian intellectual okay awesome man um well thank, thanks for thanks for coming on yeah thank you for having me it was great